The topic today is God on mission. And I, I just want to say I was, I was quite overwhelmed in the first session. It was really hard to get going because I thought it's, it's one thing to say this is us and talk about these four topics. It's another thing to stand up in front of you and proclaim this is God's mission. What right do I have to proclaim God's mission? And yet, he himself proclaims it again and again and again through the scriptures. In fact, this sermon can preach right the way through the Bible. And I did warn a few people earlier that I could be here quite a long time because I'll get fired up by all the examples I can think of. Because I'm very aware that when we talk about God on mission, we're talking about a holy thing. We're talking about his top priority and his work. This is not small stuff. This is a huge, this is an amazing, this is the topic of the Bible. Number one, not just this is us, but this is God. And us with God, working together. What right do I have working together? Truth is that he's my sins and he's commissioned me. And that's what we're going to be looking at. And not just me, but every single one. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, get some understanding in your life just let him deal with baggage and sins that we all have carried with us and set you off together with him that we look today at God on mission and it's such a huge topic that I must confess I need speak about such a and each one of us listening here today needs the Holy Spirit to help us hear what is the Spirit saying to me as part of this congregation as part of the church worldwide Lord it's just in this world and sometimes we wonder what's going on but we know that you are God who is in charge and we welcome you here in our midst today Holy Spirit speak through your word Speak to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at we, this is us, but today we are people who, who love to join God on his mission, and therefore we need to know something about his mission. And I just wanted to start thinking about this, answering a question that the world often asks of us, and uh, say, oh, you're a Christian. Well, if you're a Christian, tell me, why doesn't your God fix this world? It's in such a mess. What's wrong with God? And I think we could all agree that the world is in quite a mess. But the truth is, God's mission is designed to do exactly that. He is coming to fix. But the thing is, he's not starting with the world, but he's starting with the people. Because before or beyond him, 
He is a God of relationships. And He is trying to fix our broken relationships with Him. We can then relate properly to each other and we can Him on this mission. Unless He is in charge of our our God, then all of the other things we've studied are, are just emptiness unless He's the so first, before he fixes this world, he needs to fix relationships, and relationships are damaged, destroyed because of sin, and especially our relationship with him. That's the, the primary. But to our key verses, or key verses, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and from verses 14 to 17 to start with. Starts out there in verse 14 by saying, Christ's love controls us. That's quite a challenging statement in itself, and we'll come back to that a little later. But he goes on to say, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. That's challenging. Can you say that? You've died to your old life? He died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And this is the basic Christian mantra, if you like. But actually, if you, if you sit and think about it, it's also very challenging. How much are we letting God bring that new life, that new creation into being? This translation speaks about us being new people. I'm a new person. I quite like the old King James where it says I'm a new creation. Because actually what we are becoming is what God is now making us because of what Jesus has done for us. And we are truly made by him in Christ. So our response to God on mission is that we repent of our lives. Right on with verses 18 to 21. So now, having been renewed, made into new creatures, um, he goes on to say, therefore God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to, to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Just amazing portions of Scripture. First of all, through Jesus Christ, we are made anew. We become new creation, new people. But not only that, He then commissions us and says, now I want you to be my ambassadors going and telling the whole world what you've heard. And I want us just to think about this for a moment. Think about the honor of representing your nation. 
hoping your nation is worthy of being represented because we seem to be having some problem with some of the nations at the moment. But be that as it may, it is a great privilege, a great honor, a great responsibility to be an ambassador for South Africa, for any nation. And there are very few who occupy those positions. We have this in various places. But this verse is saying that every single one of us is called to be an ambassador where we are. We are there to represent Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the kingdom of God in the world. And we do this under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's an awesome thing, isn't it? And that's why I said I was quite overwhelmed when I began tackling this topic because it's, it's weighty and it should change us. And we come to this world but be The reason is that God has got this incredible earth, world-changing mission. And it culminates in him sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins. So God is on this mission right through the Old Testament. And then he sends his son to clinch the deal on the cross. So every one of us can be set free from the power of sins if we just repent and ask. But amazing thing. And he enrolls us as his ambassadors. Get God's mission God from the beginning and so many verses in the Old Testament about what that mission looks like. And then we get Jesus humbling himself, taking the form of a man and fulfilling that mission of paying the price for our sins on the cross. And then after the resurrection, he commissions us, all of us, to not only join him on this mission, but to do the mission under the anointing of his Holy Spirit. Wow. To me, that is quite overwhelming. The mission that was God's becomes ours as we walk and work together with him under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad we don't do this on our own. But even doing it with the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to put your hands up, but how often have we gone astray, not really been aware of what God is doing in a situation, and then felt afterwards, man, I should have said something to that person. I'm not here to beat you to death about those things. I'm here to encourage you of the to help through the Holy Spirit. There's a prophetic verse in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14, and this is kind of God's end game. This is how he sees this whole thing ending up. And it's so good for us to think about this. When we're in this world, which is really confused at the moment, tearing itself apart, and we kind of wonder where things are going and what is happening. And then you see Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. God has not forgotten about his mission. He is not overwhelmed by the news coming out of Ukraine. We get overwhelmed when we see those pictures and they are horrible. But what they should do for us is motivate us to remember that we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. 
And we actually have the answers that the world needs. The problem is those answers are not being broadcast over BBC or CNN or Sky or wherever you watch the latest update on Ukraine. The good news happens here as we gather together. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is what is going to transform the world. So, as I already said, this theme of God's mission runs right through the, the whole of the Bible. It starts there in, in Eden, in, in, in the book of Genesis, when man fell into sin, and God first states his mission right then and there, when he says the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. And he was talking about the descendant of Eve, and we now know that was Jesus. She had no idea what he was talking about. But we understand with hindsight that the one who was going to bruise Satan's head was Jesus Christ, descended from the woman Eve. Amazing. God knew his plan 4,000 plus years, however long it was, before it came to fulfillment. God has been on this mission for millennia, and he hasn't paid off it. Obviously, going to be the ones involved uh, in those things, but we have this, this ambassadorial from here. Okay, so other, other cases in the Old Testament, because this really helps us to see God on his mission and gives us a bit of understanding of us and taking that story forward to here now that Jesus has filled his part of it. Also in the Garden of Eden, uh, God said to Adam and Eve, when he told them to steward the garden. And he said he wanted them to bring order, life, and beauty into the world. That was his commission to Adam and Eve. And that hasn't been changed. And the, the wonderful thing is in this very messy world, we need to stand out as people who bring a sense of being anchored. A sense of being safe in a very unsafe world. Not because we're physically safe, but because we root up in God. And we get to join Him on His mission, which is ultimately going to triumph. I think of in the Old Testament when, just after the Tower of Babel, when man had rebelled and gone astray wholesale, the whole world was in a mess. And God confused their languages and scattered them. And then he started looking around for a man of faith. And I want to tell you, God always works through men and women. We gather together every, every weekend. And that's why we read our Bibles every day. Because faith comes by hearing God. And God is looking for people of faith to continue. It's, it's to get people involved, going with him on that journey and helping to fulfill his purposes. We see that uh, Abram, as we know, had no son. And uh, God promised him a son, promised uh, uh, that, that this son would be the chosen one who would be the forefather of God's people and would eventually bring Jesus into the world. And then God asks um, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. 
And you probably know the story how they go up onto the mountain and he prepares the sacrifice, sets the wood in place and gets ready to, to slaughter his own son because God called him, told him to. Wow. The only thing I can say that, that uh, relieves me a little bit about that commission is God said, no, I was just testing you. Whew. Here is a substitute. There is a ram in who can sacrifice that. But that's not just a very moving and strange story in the Old Testament. It's actually a picture of the fact that God sent his son Jesus, his only son, his only begotten son, into the world to die for our sins. And he, in fact, was the Lamb of God. He was the substitute. We sometimes think he was in the place of Isaac. Actually, he was in the place of the ram. The ram was sacrificed. And John the Baptist, when he first acknowledged Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes So we have all these pictures in the Old Testament of God on mission. And his mission is to send Jesus to die on the cross so our sins can be forgiven. And then he will raise him from the dead. And he then will commission us to continue with this amazing task. One of the interesting touches in the Old Testament. We're freed from their captivity. Babylon, uh, Cyrus, the prince of Persia, the king of Persia, instructed those who wanted to go back, go and build a temple for their God in Jerusalem. This is one of those mind-boggling stories where God can speak to someone who doesn't even know he exists. Cyrus was so motivated by what he heard from God, even though he didn't know God before this, that he sent Israel and those who went with him to rebuild the temple. That temple, it was commissioned, it was much smaller than Solomon's temple, and then Herod extended it and made it even more grand. And it seems like an amazing thing that they've now come back from captivity. They've got a temple. It seems everything's now on track. But the truth is, God needed that. And in Jerusalem, would bring their lambs to be blessed and then to be sacrificed every year. And God now was bringing his son. And a temple was required. As soon as Jesus died on that cross, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. It was open to enter into God through the blood of Jesus. But they didn't get it, most of them. They curtain up and they carried on sacrificing. Forty years later, God allowed the Roman army to come in, destroy that temple. Because Jesus makes us the temple of the Holy Spirit. Get this, even in that building and destruction of the temple is God's mission being illustrated to us. And that mission was him, Jesus sent here over responsibility for the onward transmission to his ambassadors here on earth. So we get now to the climax of God's mission where Jesus says on the cross, He has died for our sins on the cross, and we know he rose again on the third day, and he met with his disciples and spoke to them, but just before he ascended up into heaven, we read in Acts chapter 1, he says, go on a mission to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, 
talking to his followers who were gathered with him there in Jerusalem. But then he says, or prior to that, he says in verse 4 and 5, But do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Interesting verses, because he gives these two sets of instruction. And the one is, go into all the world and preach the gospel, starting here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the world. Go. Then he says, but wait, wait. Stay here until you receive the Holy Spirit. I hope you guys are getting this. Because what I'm saying to us is we have been empowered to be mission uh, to, to be on mission with him to be his ambassadors but we need the holy spirit so that we can do this task if you think about even jesus when he came up out of the spirit to empower us to guide us to enable us to be these ambassadors that we've been talking about it's interesting that when jesus began his ministry when he, when he first had been baptized and been filled with the Holy Spirit, um, and he began to preach, and he preached the same message as John the Baptist, and he said, the kingdom of heaven is here among you. I am and I am with you, and I want to establish my kingdom people here on earth. And now I'm commissioning you, and this is what he was doing during the next three and a half years, training those followers of his that he wanted his kingdom to expand here on earth. Kingdom of through the blood of Jesus Christ. So what he's done is he's made us, first of all, citizens, our sins being forgiven, and then he's made us ambassadors as he sends us out. And the wonderful thing is he sends us out on his mission. We are with God. And that's why I say this is such a weighty thing. Because I don't know about you, but I think that is quite awesome, quite intimidating. And if he doesn't send the Holy Spirit like Moses, the truth is that sometimes I operate in my own strength. And I'm sure all of you can say the same thing. Afterwards, man, I really blew that. It was such an opportunity. And the answer in cases like that is to be more focused on this task of ambassadorship that you've given me. I hope you're feeling a bit overwhelmed. It, it's, it's a heavy message, and yet it's such a liberating message because it starts, it's rooted in the fact that Jesus died so our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be made whole and we could become effective and we could be sent out from, by God. And suddenly when we realize that he's going with us, we're going together, he's called us his sons and daughters. This is a family excursion, this mission. But the truth is it's in a world that is such a disaster area. It's not a picnic. But it is so fulfilling, so satisfying, has such eternal consequences. And that's what makes it weighty and intimidating. 
but I, I do want to encourage you. I, I want you to get the weightiness, but I also want you to get the glorious sense of being with him. Don't take the glory, but just revel in his glory as we walk beside him on mission. What a career choice. It doesn't matter what you're doing, where you whether you're at home with your a hospital or business, that's where the mission is fulfilled. You are on mission wherever you are. Always aware of that. We get busy with the job and frustrated by the irritations or the lack of tourists or whatever it is that's we are out there to be his ambassadors and we need to be taking this message out with us. So this mission has been taken by God, handed over to Jesus, fulfilled it by on the cross. We read in, in 20 again, just to remind us, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Wow. It's the simple gospel we sang about, but it's being repackaged. Great world-changing mission. And he invites us, ordinary people, to get involved in that mission. I want to just look a little bit now at Jesus' character that he displayed, the culture that he had, because it's so important that we tackle this mission with the same kind of mind as he said. We're told to let his mind be in us. And so when we head out on mission, we need to be a little... Remember when I first had a land cruiser donated me to go on mission to Zambia, and I was driving up on my own. It was dark. There was a big full moon. I got to the top of the Zambezi Valley, and I was looking out over there, and I... Africa is in front of me. And then I suddenly became aware of the fact that I was rejoicing in my life. And that God me on. You see, we're out there to serve him. And Jesus humbled himself and took the form of a man. And we need to humble ourselves. So the first thing he did or, or demonstrated was he demonstrated compassion. He said of, 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 of the Jews in Jerusalem, they were like sheep, sheep without a shepherd. He had felt compassion for them. He also was somebody who got up early to pray. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of intimacy with God. And I know where, when I miss it, it's usually because I'm missing that. Spending time with God and hearing his voice and getting his heart for what's going on. The next thing he did is he brought the kingdom, he brought deliverance, he brought miracles, he brought healing, he brought transformation with him. Wherever he went, he didn't just preach the gospel, but people's lives were changed. Something I find with modern Christians is, especially those who love the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I've often heard people complain that we come to church and we never see miracles and deliverances and uh, Amazing, powerful things happening in church. If you look at the context of the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he said, these signs will follow you. Where? Out there in the world. 
If you want to see miracles and deliverance from demons and amazing things happening, start working with those godless people that you work with at the job because they need miracles. Hopefully, we who are gathering here are less needy. And there are occasions when we see amazing things happening here as well. But the majority of miracles I've ever seen in my life and ministry have been out there, not in here. So we have been sent as ambassadors. And those, those signs and wonders are supposed to follow the work of... He humbled himself. He's, he was a man who believed in self-sacrifice. And I want to is that those things you give up are actually worth valuable, a lighter than a feather context of the weightiness of this mission that God has Before I became a Christian, I spent wrestling because I was worried about what I might have to give up. I was worried about losing my friends and I, I just wasn't sure I wanted to make this decision. But the amazing thing is when I'm lifted off and I was just filled with such joy. I became impossible. Friends. <laughs> I gave them all the gospel. Some of them were no longer my friends. Others are serving him today. We're in Weinberg there. We met at university and we were both godless young men at that stage. We both got saved in Rhodesia and we have been set free from all that rubbish. And we are now both serving. He's serving over that side, the mountain side. It's wonderful. Because it shows us that this mission works. If you're afraid, you might offend if you tell people about Jesus. Don't worry. The friends you lose are not worth having. But the ones you forever. Wow. What a blessed ministry we've been given. This thing of being ambassadors is such a privilege. And the fruit of this ministry is just amazing. Okay. I want to just mention that thing about Christ's love controls us. Verse 14 uh, and 15 of 1 Corinthians 5. Christ's love controls us. And I was kind of surprised when I got the text for today and I saw those words, the opening words. Christ's love controls us. We live in a generation. It's the me generation. It's my rights which trump yours. And it's all about me. That's what the world we live in is, is all about. And there's not much that restrains the world these days. Whatever you like, whatever you, if it feels good, do it. That's the philosophy of the world. But God says we are constrained, we are compelled, we are controlled. Those are all translations of the same Greek word. To be his ambassadors. And there's something in the modern man. It's worse for Mike than it is for me because I belong to a different age. <laughs> that rebels against that. Who are you to tell me what to do? That's the spirit of the age. But we are compelled. We are controlled. 
We are constrained by the love of God. And what Paul is alluding to is what he said a little bit in the previous chapter. I just want to read a few verses from chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, where it says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts. Hallelujah. That's what happened to me when I finally gave up the unequal struggle and accepted Jesus as, as my Savior. And what happens when he shines in our hearts? It gives the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul was speaking here, I believe, primarily to Jewish listeners. I was a mixed uh, audience in Corinth. But the Jews amongst them would have understood this better. And that is because they, when it talks about the light shining in the face of Jesus Christ, they would immediately remember the story of Moses who went up on the mountain and got the tablets of stone with the law written on it. And when he came down after 40 days in the presence of God, his face shone and they couldn't bear to look at him. It was so bright and they made him cover his face with a veil. And what Paul is saying, if you really get hold of this message, this light of God will shine into us so that people will be able to see the glory of Jesus Christ in us. I'm afraid to think that for many Christians, and probably throughout history, the light of God kind of flickers on and off in us. We need to ask Him to help us to make this a permanent fixture. Let there be no load shedding in our lives. Let the light shine. Viv and I had a really close friend when we were at Bible College in America. She was in charge of the children's ministry. I'm going to tell you that's the most important ministry in the church, but it's not often honored and respected enough because those workers train people for a life of service. People like me who speak to you, if we do manage to get through to you, you've only got 20 or 30 or 40 years left. But those kids have got a whole life ahead of them. That's why it's the most important ministry. Anyway, this lady called Jeanette, she taught children's ministry. She went on from there to a church in Singapore as a missionary, and she was given the children's work to do because no one else wanted to do it. She started with three or four children. She built the children's church until it was bigger than the adult church. They had their own services, their own worship teams. They went on mission trips. Just amazing. But when you meet her, she's a very humble little lady. And when you talk to her, you think there's something wrong with her. Because you'll ask her a question, and there's quite a long pause. And then she will to know her. We that she doesn't want to give an out of her conversation. She wants to speak to God into your life. She was pausing for the Holy Spirit to intervene. And all her conversations are like that. Wow, I long to be more like that. I'm one of those um, high D guys, the doers, the ones who want to fix problems. And that, that's really struggled with the pausing and listening to the voice of God. I think I'm getting better at it, but I've got a long way to go. I hope you do better than I do. May the light of God shine through or into and through your life. 
Okay, so now we, we go to a couple of things that just to close off with. Things that we need to do, some direction for us as his ambassadors. First, seek God's kingdom. And I'm not going to read all the verses here in Matthew chapter 6, but you'll know that, that Jesus talked about all the things that the world longs for. And he says, we don't need those things. But you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things that you need will be added to you. What a wonderful promise. I don't know if I can tell stories or not. When I start telling stories, we go over time. Just a quick one. On that Land Cruiser, <laughs> when I decided I wanted to go to Bible college and I, I resigned from Anglo-American where I had a company car, company house, uh, good salary, and left all of those things behind. And my wife, who had been a pastor's daughter and had really been through tough times, she said, you don't want to do this. You don't want to go to Bible college. You, you can support the church financially. This, just give this up. And then she felt, mm, if I talk him out of this and this is what God is saying, I'm in trouble. So she said, listen, do what you feel God is telling you to do. But I want to tell you, you're never going to live in a house like this. You're never going to drive a brand new car again. The first, I, ne I never owned a brand new car um, myself, um, but the first vehicle that was donated to the mission work in Zambia was this brand new Land Cruiser. And when Viv saw that arising, she said, she said, wow, I'm so glad I didn't stop you going to Bible college. And I repent of the words that I spoke of you. If any of you have seen our house, you'll know that God has supplied. And most of that was paid for, not by me. It's amazing how God can take care of us if we will dedicate our lives to serving him. We, be, we went through years of not much. But when God starts pouring out his blessing, whew, nothing can hold it back. So I'm encouraging you to get on this mission with God. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I do say in the long run, you will be so thankful. So the first thing is to seek God's kingdom. The second thing is to see yourself as being sent. I've been trying to say that. I've been laboring that point a bit, so I don't think I'm going to, to say too much more except what Jesus said in John 20, 21. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Okay, you've got your commission from Jesus, not from me. And uh, I just want to say that we do believe in teamwork, and, and he sends us out not all by ourselves, but he wants us to work sometimes teaming as a whole church, sometimes as life groups, sometimes in our NGO or at the school God's people getting together wherever they are, praying for one another, encouraging one another in team. A quick quote here from Michael Frost where he says, Sentness is not just for missionaries to foreign lands. And I'll interject and say it's for you wherever you find yourself every day. The shift is for all of us, students and workers, parents and kids, professionals and laborers, artists and accountants, mums and mechanics. We are all sent into our world. We are given to those we relate to. We are commissioned to our workplace. We are placed on our streets. When our imaginations grasp our sentness, our life stories take on a whole new dangerous meaning. And the danger there is for the devil and his kingdom. Let me just say that. You may face some dangers yourself, but the, the thing that's really in danger is Satan's control of this world when we realize that God has sent us. And here's a, here's a great 
quote from Studdard Kennedy. He said, nobody worries about Christ as long as he can be kept shut up in churches. But there is always trouble if you try and let him out. That's what we're doing here this morning. We're trying to let Jesus out of the service and into your home, your family, your workplace, your next holiday, your sports club, wherever you are, we want Christ to be let out. Satan's very happy if we don't talk about Jesus anywhere but in here. He knows he's lost us, but the next phase is he's going to lose the rest of the world as we go out there. The next, the next point is, is that we now focus our energy in a new direction. Verse 15 says, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, impacting every area we are. And I, I just want to say something here, that some people in this congregation are working for NGOs. There, there are amazing things that are going on and not necessarily directly preaching the gospel, but bringing the kingdom into the workplace, the NGO, the club, wherever it is, and thereby fulfilling your ambassadorial task. But one of the things we want to do is, uh, uh, not too distant future, and I'm kind of flagging this so that you'll be on the lookout for it, is we want to have a, a kind of NGO uh, social justice fair where we get together everybody who's actively doing stuff out there and doing it every day or on a regular basis and get them all together in a room to share stories with one another. Because you know what? We will get ideas. We will get encouraged by hearing what each other are doing. But then also to inspire some of us who are wondering, what is it you want me to do? You may find there's something in those groups where you want to sign up and get involved. Or maybe you want to put your money in there. So uh, just to encourage you that we're going to be having this, this event in a few, few weeks' time. So just be on the lookout for it. And if you're involved in one of those kind of outreaches, just to, to let Luke or one of the elders or Leanne know so that we can uh, get you involved and make sure you are there for that event. And the final direction, which is, I thought was quite interesting, is start small. When you go out there to try and lead the world to Jesus, start small. I remember the first time I led somebody to Jesus. I worked with him at Trojan Nickel Mine in, in uh, Bandura, which is in northeast Zimbabwe. And uh, he, I was recently saved. He was the first person I ever witnessed to face to face. And I got him all lined up and ready to give his life to Jesus. So I phoned my pastor. And I said, Pastor, Brendan is ready for you to pray for him and give his life to the Lord. So he said, oh, that's wonderful news. I'll come around on Thursday. Thursday, I get the phone call. I've had a flat tire. I'm stuck on this farm 20 kilometers out of town. Can you just go ahead and lead Brendan to the Lord? I said, but I've never done that. He said, no, but you did it yourself. Just do the same thing. I was terrified. But the amazing thing is he got saved. And it worked. And do you know what's so exciting is you, when you start on a new job and you find you actually can do it. It's really encouraging. So whether you're in an NGO that has nothing to do with preaching Christ, you see people every day who need to hear that message. So I just want to encourage us all that start small. That's what I was started on. I started with one guy a number of months after I first got saved. 
but it started something rolling. And eventually the guys I got a lift to the mine for work weren't sure they wanted me in the car with them. So we can just go from strength to strength. There's such a delight in seeing people set free. This ambassadorial role, this being on mission with God is amazing. And we start small, but you know what? He makes it bigger and bigger and bigger. There is no ways I anticipated the trajectory of my life when I accepted Jesus. I thought I might have to give up a few things. I had no idea God was going to add thousands of people into my sphere of influence. Just mind-boggling and so satisfying. And my prayer for you is that you too will be mind-boggled and satisfied by what God has got for you. I want to pray for us now because I don't want to send you out today without asking the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh, to empower you for this commission, because I'm sure you've heard sending out messages before, but maybe not in this context where we spend four weeks looking at us and who we think the Bible is wanting us to be, but then looking at God and saying, actually, this all crystallizes into being on mission with God, with the Holy Spirit helping us. Are you okay to be prayed for for that? This is a high-risk prayer, hey? But it's so good. Will you stand with me? I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this series of messages and the fact that this is us and our, our faith statement over the first four sermons is, God, help us to be more like that. Help us to be changed. Help us to become those new creatures more and more. But Lord, today we're a little bit awestruck, in fact, a lot awestruck by the fact that you invite us on mission with you. And your mission is the salvation of the whole world. And Lord, that is mind-bogglingly big. And we're so glad that we just have to each do our little part. But for you, our little parts are not insignificant. And that's why you invite us. Because you want to start a pandemic of good news that spreads from one person to another like wildfire. Lord, forget the COVID epidemic. We want the Christ epidemic. We could call it C22 if we like, but... We just want the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out because you have filled us with your spirit and you've challenged us with this message. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today that you will fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit and that they would go from this place fired up, excited, a bit awestruck, but so glad that we can go out with our hand in your hand. We can go out in your shadow and with your Holy Spirit in us. And so, Lord, we receive today a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you will give us that anointing, that authority to be your ambassadors and to do that job well. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.